If you haven't turned there, uh, we are going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 12. So you can turn there. Change. I'll be the first to say it. I don't like change. Um, it could be as simple as, the, you know, a change of clothes to a change of, of anything, uh, a change of style, whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't like much change in my life. I still remember the, the day I get a call from my wife. I was, I was at Moody, and I was happy as I can be. And I remember I get a call from her. She says, Joey, uh, are you sitting down for this? And I'm like, okay, this can't be good news. And I said, what is going on? And she said, uh, we have to move. And I'm like, what? I love my apartment. No, no. So I sat down because I couldn't believe it. And, and I remember her explaining to me why we had to move. And I just, I went home and I, and I, and I kind of told Jackie, I was like, I just don't like change. What does this mean? What does this look like for our family now? And maybe you're just like me. Maybe you don't like change either. Maybe it can be a small thing or as big thing as a career. God changes your career. He changes what you've been doing for many, many years. And all of a sudden, that job is no longer there for you. And so a change needs to happen. And so naturally, fear, disappointment, questioning emerges as you're looking to see what this change is going to look like in my life. Some of you are dealing with even new moms or having more kids added to the family. And you're like, how is this going to change my life, my pattern of life? How is this going to change our family dynamic? How do we deal with change? How do we respond when things don't turn out the way that we planned? I believe First Corinthians, uh, Second Corinthians, chapter one. Paul's going to help us see um, the hope that we have in, in, in plans that, that have been changed. A little bit about the book. Paul here is doing a couple things. Paul here, specifically in chapter one, he's responding to the hurt of the Corinthians. Remember, this is the second part of his letter. Paul has uh, sent a letter before addressing some of the issues in the church. And so the Corinthians, in some ways, felt that the letter was very strong. They felt that, in, in a lot of ways, they were hurt by it. And so Paul, in this, in this letter, he addresses that it, it wasn't intended to hurt them. The, what the letter was intended to do was to encourage them so that they can see what he is seeing and that they would come change, that the Lord would use it for their, for, to, to grow them. He also, in this letter, responds to why he doesn't visit them. See, the Corinthians are probably upset, they're very upset, that Paul has not come to visit them. And many, when, and for some of them, they're probably thinking, well, it has something to do with the letter. It has something to do with the letter. And Paul, in this same chapter, also responds to that to say that, no, that's not why I didn't come. And lastly, we find that Paul, in this letter, is affirming the promises of God to his people. Paul is affirming them and saying, God loves you. God cares for you. God will fulfill the promises in you no matter what. Trust in that. 
And so we, we find three things that Paul will be doing here um, and how it also then applies to us in our day and our church and our life. My, pe- my main point is this. If you are taking notes, when God changes our plans, we can stand firm in that he will fulfill his promises in our life, our church, and in this world. I'll say it again. When God changes our plan, we can stand firm and that he will fulfill his promises in our life, our church, and in this world. And we're going to see three different ways in which we can stand firm. My first point is this. We can stand firm when God changes our plans because God is in control. God is in control, right? Isn't that the answer for a lot of us is the the common answer we hear? when plans change or things don't turn out the way we want them to be, oh, man, it's, it's good, man. God, God's in control. God's, God, God's, God's doing this. And sometimes it just becomes the kind of the generic answer. You're like, oh, man, I, I get that. I, I know that. And sometimes we, we wash it down and don't really, really get to see the beauty that God is fully in control. There is beauty to the reality that God is sovereign over all things. So let's look at verse 15. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you. First, that you might have a second experience of God. I wanted to visit you on the way to Macedonia. And to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh? Ready to say yes, yes, and no, and no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, a word to you has been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in whom we proclaimed among you, Salvinus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes Paul in verse 15, he says, do I make my plans according to the flesh? What does it mean to make plans according to the flesh? Well, verse 17, he kind of tells us what that looks like. If you look at me, verse 17, he says, was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no and no? Paul's saying, do I make my plans like this? Not knowing where I'm going, not knowing what I'm doing, saying yes, yes, and no and no. We've all been guilty of that. We've all been guilty of saying, hey, I'll be there. And you don't show up. I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I, I, I'm the first to say I am guilty of making plans in the flesh and not doing what I was supposed to do. Um, that's me being transparent today, right? Um, and Paul's saying this. Paul's saying this like, this is not how I make my plans. This is not how I make my plans. My plans are set in verse 18. As surely as God is faithful, all word to you has been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim among you, Salvinus and Timothy and I, was yes and no, but in him, always yes. In him, it's always yes. Paul's saying that my word is not according to the way of my flesh, but it's according to God. And he says, in him, 
the answer is always yes. The answer in him is always yes. What does that mean? Does that mean I always get what I want? Does that mean that God does everything I ask of him, ask of him to do? John 14, 13, John, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. There have been people that have taken this and said, Oh, see, Jesus said it. I could have whatever I want, and, 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 and if it doesn't happen, then he is not good. But that's not what Jesus was saying, nor was what Paul was saying. Paul is saying that whatever is according to his will, it's yes. I don't know if many of you have seen Bruce Almighty. Have any of us seen that with Jim Carrey? And I, I remember this part where he had all these prayers that were coming to him. And so he was like, what am I going to do with all these prayers? And so he starts going really fast and typing yes to everything. He's typing yes to everything. And what happens? Chaos. The world is turning upside down because Jim Carrey, who's portraying God, is just saying yes to everything. And like Bruce Almighty, where he answers every prayer, yes, God is good enough to know what we need and what's best for us in the time that he, we need it. His will is good enough for us to know, for him to know what is good for us at the moment that we need it. When it's good for him to say yes and when it's good for him to say no. As a parent, I know when to say yes and I know when to say no. My kid might try to bargain with me. He might try to, to, to give me a thousand reasons and convince me why this item or this thing is the best thing in his life and how it would change him forever. But as a good father, I know when to say no. I know when to say yes. And I know when to say wait. Despite my no, am I less of a good father? No. My will as a father to love my kids, despite my no, is to guarantee them that no matter what, my promises to love them will endure. And if in Christ, we are the father's sons and daughters, and we must not forget, God is writing this great story and where his promises will be fulfilled, even when things don't look that way. The people in Corinth were probably like, this, you know, this is not the way things were supposed to go. And Paul's reminding them, he's reminding us that despite the way things look, God is good. And God will deliver. And we see this in verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why through him we are able to utter amen to God for his glory. In him all, our, all the promises are yes. What does it mean, the promises of God? Well, that he is working in us. He's establishing this in the, in the letter that God is a God that is working in us. 
God is a God that despite changing the things around, God is working for the best of, uh, for the best of, our, of who we are to try to get us to be more like Jesus. But also the promise is the hope that we have in Jesus. The promise is the hope that we get to look forward to when Jesus will come back and make all things new. The promise is that God has not abandoned his people. Despite when plans change and things are not looking the way they should, God is saying, I am still here and my promises will be fulfilled. His life and death gives us hope to look forward. That's why in verse 20, we can utter the words to him, amen, to God for his glory. Because we can trust that he is good. We can trust that he is not of the flesh. When God said yes and him and his will, it will be accomplished. God will do what he wills in our life for our good, even when it hurts. You could trust the sovereign king that he's in control of even the darkest moments of our life. It's hard to see that sometimes. It's hard to see that God is in control when some of the darkest times in our life where we're like, how? How can this be? But the good news is that God is in full control. And you can rest in that. You can rest that when God is changing plans, it is God who's changing the plans. So we can be in, we're in the best hands we can possibly be in. So despite the plans change, we can rejoice because God is after, God is after the good of his people. God is sovereign. And according to his will, his promises will be fulfilled. My second point is this. We stand firm in him when God changes our plans because God has given us godly wisdom. Look at verse 12 with me. For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience that we have behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely towards you. Paul's boast is in the wisdom of God. As Christians, we have been given the we've been given the Holy Spirit and godly wisdom that is different from the world. This wisdom comes from God. It is why Paul makes it clear that it is by the grace of God that he was able to act with godly sincerity and simplicity, with understanding and with truth. Godly truth. Godly wisdom looks beyond what is visible and it looks to the promises that have been, used, that have been given to us by God. It lets us see that we are important characters in the story of God. Godly wisdom lets us see beyond what we can see. It lets us see the beauty of the story that God is writing. Worldly wisdom, worldly wisdom can only see so far. Worldly wisdom can only see so far. It's temporary, here now and gone tomorrow. Like the people of Corinth, 
when things don't go the way we want it to go, it's easy for us to get angry, confused, hurt, and disappointment. And our natural response is, why God? Why God is our natural response when things are, are changing. And so often we seek wisdom from friends and books. We pick up a book and how to have your best Friday today. Or we pick up how we, you know, how do we get past the bridge? And all these books that ultimately end up being void and don't help because they're wisdom of the world and they're foolishness. Worldly wisdom leads to a darker tunnel. Godly wisdom leads to the light. It leads to see the beauty of the story that God is writing. It leads to see that God still cares for his people. And therefore, your current, your current situation, our church, our world, by the grace of God, have been given wisdom to act wisely over. Godly wisdom will point us to eternity and the promises that God is sovereign and that he is working. When we, use the, when we use the wisdom God has given us, when the Holy Spirit is working in us, despite our circumstances, we know that God is fully in control. We know that God has put us here and we are important pieces in the story of God, despite what it looks like. And my third point is this. We stand firm when God changes our plans because God shapes us in uncertainties. Look at verse 21. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as guarantee. Paul is encouraging not only the Corinthians, but us, that despite not being able to visit them, God has established them and us in Christ in the seal of his spirit. Christian, do you know that God has given you his spirit? Ephesians chapter 113 says his, this says this, in him you will also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Because we have been sealed by the Spirit, he is shaping us. We have been given the Spirit so that we will be growing in Christ. Let me be transparent this, let me be transparent with you this week about just my week in general. This week has been probably one of the toughest weeks to take on a sermon. Um, Monday, I got hit what what I thought was a nasty cold. By Monday night, I had fever, chills on my back, and I couldn't even think. I just went to bed and I slept. This lasted all the way through Thursday, and I didn't even get to look at my look at the word. My intentions this week, if I can be real, were I was going to try to knock this sermon out the park. I, was, I wanted to come here and say, look, oh yeah, I, 
And the reality is that God had a different plan for me. God was going to humble me. And God was going to say, listen, I have a different plan. You're going to get sick. And you're not going to prepare until Thursday. And you're going to trust fully in me. And Thursday, I was like, Lord, I got nothing but you. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm broken. I got a million different things in my head. I was being a jerk to my kids because they were jumping all over the place. And I was trying to control them. And it got to the point where I was yelling. And I was like, I had a million things in my head. And, and I just sat there and I just prayed. And I said, Lord, I got a million things in my head. I got the sermon I got to preach. I'm sick. How do I do this? And God used this change of plan to restore me, to lead me to trust fully in him. My flesh was weak. I was sick and patient. But God shaped me this week to deliver a word to his people. God will shape us in the moments in our lives in ways that we might not like. He will put us in situations that we do not like to grow us. And that's okay. Because there is no better hands to be in than the one who controls and is sovereign over all things. No matter what, everyone in this room is going to go through a tough time. Does it? There is no way you will get past that. But isn't it great to know that when you go through it, God is king over that situation. That God is supreme and sovereign over that and will lead you through that and you will come out better for it. When God changes our plan, it's because he is working. He is faithful. For he is a father that is for us, not against us. We are called to stand firm in faith that he is working and fulfilling this promise to us, to our church, and to our world. When God changes our plans, we can stand firm. So what have we learned as we recap? We stand firm and that God is controlling, that God is in full control fulfilling his promises despite our circumstances. We stand firm that God has given us wisdom, godly wisdom to look forward to. That our current situation does not matter. And lastly, we stand firm because we are our work in progress. God is working in us. God is doing the work that he needs to do in us despite the events in our life. And so we can rest assured that God is good and that God is working This is my message this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for teaching. Father, thank you for being with me this week through sicknesses and trials, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would would awaken our hearts, Lord to knowing that you are in full control, Lord. And I pray that you would use this sermon, Lord, to encourage us, 
that despite our situations, that you are an unwavering God. You never change. You're in full control. You've given us the wisdom that we need. And you have given us your spirit to shape us. May we walk in light of that and the truth of that, Lord. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.